once again like subscribe before we move on to our next topic that we have right now to be notified of content that we have coming your way future content that is now i do want to stay in basketball here i want us to give our final thoughts on the Kyrie Irving trade to the mavericks is this a good deal for the nets or the mavericks either one is it really a good deal because we talked about it earlier on today's show you can check that video out as soon as this video finish you can check it out and and you know tap in and, and and you know see what we talked about earlier and we basically debated who won the deal but the question is is it really a good deal on either side when you think about it from all the risk and all the rewards and Zay, i'll pass it to you to start us off you know i think the mavericks throughout their entire franchise history are not afraid of trading futures they're not afraid of trading future um uh, so my dude mike too by um, the way. You know, I think, you know, shout out to NFL Mike's as well. Yep, shout out um, to my guy. I think, you know, the, when we look at the Mavericks history, you know, they, they got KP. They traded futures to the Knicks for Kirstas Porzingis. Um, you know, they got a bevy of guys with them, um, Tim Harway Jr., Courtney Lee, Trey Burks. Um, we look at now with this trade with Kyrie Irving and Markeith Moore is going for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, the 2029 first-round pick, a 2029 second-round pick, and a 2027 second-round pick. Um, you know, I think for the Nets is not a good trade because you're not you're getting back a player you didn't want to pay in that offseason when you traded him away, when you got rid of him essentially. Um, and then I think I think they let him walk in free agency and then he got paid in, in Washington. Um, you bring back Dorian Finney Smith, who is a solid role player defender, but you already have too many wing players on that basketball team and you can't fit everybody. And unfortunately, it's not gonna work with this roster that you currently have. And you know, I think when you look at the Nets, they made a bad they, they just made bad deal after bad deal and allowing this team to just follow falter with first signing Steve Nash to coach KD and Kyrie Irving. And then later on, James Harden. You need a veteran coach, a guy who knows how to handle players, not a rookie coach, not a guy who just became their first job. I think, you know, they, they set the job up for failure off the rip. Now, going to the Maverick side, um, you pair a guy. Uh, a star a star player, a guy who's won a championship, a guy who's played with stars before in Kyrie Irving. And you bring in you bring in Marquise Morris as well, a, a wing player that the Mavericks desperately need because they don't really have that many forwards. It works out for them because you're bringing in a guy who could score at a very high clip, a guy who averages 25 a game with Luka Doncic, first time in his career. He had a guy who was cooking everybody else privy to arriving there. Um, He's he's not a, a young player. He, I mean, he's a vet. He's a guy who's, who's been cook, cooking for years. And he knows how to play with guys like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Ball, dominant players. Um, that's something that you you take into consideration when you pair up Luca and Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving knows how to play second fiddle to a dominant player, and but also knows when it's time to be aggressive and attack. You pair them up with a Christian Wood. You have um other guys on that on that basketball court that could really dominate the game, and like Tim Hardaway Jr. and um. You know, you got the forwards, Bertans, and, the, and the other, these other dudes. It works out for the Mavericks because it works out for what they want. Offense heavy. We're going to score a lot of points, and we're going to make sure that we limit what they do. Jason Kidd coaching Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic is probably one of the greatest backcourts we've ever seen because that's going to be one of the most highlighted things that Jason Kidd's going to do in his entire career. And I think that's something that we need to talk about more. And um, I think personally that the deal only works good for the Mavericks and not the Nets. I know the Nets wanted to recoup assets that they traded away in that Houston Rockets um, trade for James Harden, but it's not enough, and it doesn't keep KD happy uh, for the foreseeable future. I can see a situation where KD axes out 
um by next season by this offseason because i think it's probably too late to facilitate uh to move kd with only three days left in the trade deadline before i respond to that i do want to shout out my guy nfl mike it's crazy because Zay, you can attest to it i literally just shared his video in the chat when he was talking about tom brady you know um just to spread the word and um definitely check him out on instagram Listen, that was a good video. Yo, yo, I'm a Tom Brady fan. You know how I feel about that. So feel free to come on the show, 99 Pod, when you get a chance, right? The next episode, possibly, we'll make it do what it do. But look, to pick up where they left off, I do want to focus on the face-off between Joe Sy and Kyrie Irving. I want to talk about that dynamic right now because clearly it was a face-off. These two guys have not seen eye-to-eye for the last couple of years. We all know Kyrie Irving and his stance against the COVID-19 shot and how Josiah just didn't understand Kyrie Irving. Josiah never really understood the complexity of an individual Kyrie Irving is. Kyrie Irving is not a normal, regular individual. And I don't say that with any intent of disrespect. He's a free thinker. He thinks outside the box. He's kind of my type of guy, to be honest with you. Like, I like guys who think outside the box, even if I don't agree with every single thing. I agree with the freedom to think because it seems like thinking is not a freedom anymore in today's era or in today's society, right? So Josiah doesn't understand Kyrie Irving. They really haven't got to sit at the table and hash everything out from a perspective where they meet halfway together. And that was clear when it came to the contract and what Kyrie Irving wanted and what he wanted to give Kyrie Irving and the championship clauses that was in the contract that they initially offered to Kyrie Irving. A whole bunch of rubbish and, you know, just face off. Right. And I think for me, Joe Sy, he just made a terrible move. Anybody that's saying that he won the face off because he traded Kyrie Irving to where he did not want to go is a daggone fool. OK, you realize he's a free agent. Do you realize he's a free agent? Okay, so y'all saying, all right, he didn't trade him to L.A. Because Josiah said that he wanted to trade him anywhere but L.A. He didn't want to give him his wish. You do realize that he can still end up in L.A. come June. You, you realize that, right? Because he's a free agent. So if he doesn't like the Mavericks and for whatever reason the chemistry is not formed with him and Luka or he just wants to leave and play with LeBron James again, he's going to do just that. So you just cut off your face to spite your nose by trading him away from L.A. when they had the better package. Clearly, they did. Like, their package was better. There was a couple teams that had better packages than the Dallas Mavericks. And you sent them there because you want to be spiteful, but you were a fool because he's a free agent. He can end up anywhere he wants if that team wants him back, which L.A. clearly do and where he wants to go in L.A. This is what I'm talking about. And when you do a move like that, you've done more harm to this franchise than KD did, than Kyrie Irving did, than James Harden did, and honestly combined because a move like that can set you back for years, okay? I understand that you don't want to trade him there because you're, you're, you're spiteful. But I think for me, if you're going to trade anybody, if you're an owner and your star player come up to you and say, I want out, get me out, otherwise I'm not resigning here in the summertime, your job as an owner it's to find the best available package offered to you and take that deal because you're thinking about the team and the future because at the end of the day, you're still owning the team, right? You still got to see this team through. 
Your goal should be to win a championship or to have the necessary assets to help me build this thing back up to compete for a championship in the future. The only instance where I'm not taking the best deal is if I'm trading you within conference. So let's say he wanted to go to the Celtics, hypothetically. Then okay, I understand that because you got to play him. But this is the LA. We talking about the Western Conference. So yeah, there's a whole lot of dynamics in this face-off, and I think Josiah lost it, to be honest with you. Not only did Josiah lose the trade, he lost his integrity. Um, the man is is becoming the, the next worst. He's forming this Nets franchise back into its horrible ways, this dysfunction that they have top to bottom from front office to coaching staff. Um, the best move they did was allow Jacques Vaughn to be the coach of the Nets. That's the best move they made. Other than that, it's been terrible. Move after more terrible move after terrible move. You give up, you leverage the entire future for James Harden to then trade him away for Ben Simmons and Seth Curry. And it is it, not looking good. You know, you, it, it's not looking like a and on top of that, you trade him within your division. You trade him away within your division and made the division better. I mean, the, the, the other team on the other side better, and then your team worse. And hoping and assuming that Ben Simmons will be this guy that he's clearly not anymore. And it's just so baffling that you think he would, he would get better. He would know better to make better moves. And he's only getting worse and worse. You know, all the star players don't want to play here. They, at first, they had a culture. And it seemed like KD was a, was a you know, he was playing here on purpose. I feel like KD wanted to destroy the culture on purpose. Because the first thing he said was when he got to Brooklyn was, yeah, we like the culture here. I like the culture here in Brooklyn. It's, it's a different vibe. And I want to be a part of it. I want to build upon it. He destroyed it the moment he touched on it. But the moment he got there, it was destroyed. And it only got worse and worse the more um, games he was on that team, on that roster. I think it's just time to cut ties completely. The Nets need to take all assets that they could possibly get for Kevin Durant and recoup and set up for the future because your championship window is officially closed. It's no longer open. You're no longer a contender or a championship contender with KD by himself in Brooklyn. It's time to recoup everything you possibly can, get the most draft picks, Get the most young players. Um, shed any bad contracts that you can and start all over. Cam Thomas is a great starting point. Nicholas Claxton is an even better starting point. The guy is looking like he's getting at the Man, top of the top 40 class. today again. Another Cam 40, Thomas yeah, 47 against the Clippers. Crazy. So that's something that the Nets need to do immediately because if they wait um, another two years or wait until KD's contract is up, you're just wasting time. And you're not going to be a, a top contender in the Eastern Conference the way everybody is playing right now. The Eastern Conference has more wins um, than the Western Conference right now, top to bottom. And it's not it's not even looking close the way the way that the, the um, conferences are playing. So I think right now they need to, like I said, recoup your assets, try to get as many draft picks as you possibly can for Kevin Durant, and hope for the best for your future. Because right now it's not looking bright. I think for me, right, and I do want to pivot to the Mavericks out here because I think for me when you think about things from a big scale the Mavericks are showing as a low market team because I you know you could classify them as a low market even though it's Dallas because you don't see free agents saying I really want to go to Dallas right so you could classify them as a low market they're basically showing that yeah we are low market but we are trying we are trying to make our superstar happy and I think these low market teams in the NBA is getting an unfair shake 
they try. I seen the Wizards try. I seen the Mavericks try. I seen the Trailblazers try. Now, maybe they failed, you know, but they tried. And I think a lot of people, when we talk about superstar athletes, you need to leave. You need to go, you know, find you a new teammate, find you a co-star. But we don't really acknowledge. We always throw shots at the low market teams and how they ran, but they tried. At least the Mavericks, the Mavericks are risking it all here. Think about it. They could lose Kyrie Irving in free agency. Christian Wood is on an expiring contract. He could walk, right? Jalen Brunson already walked. So you can have two guys that could walk. You already mortgage first and second rounders in this deal to get Kyrie Irving. You know how much risk you're taking? It's a lot of risk. And uh, for us to not, you know, acknowledge that, that's why this move is impactful. Because it should show the world that, yes, we are geographically at a disadvantage, especially in a sport like the NBA. But at least we are trying. We are willing to experiment. Two bold dominant guards. But we are willing to experiment and see how things play out because we are trying to keep our superstar happy. We care about winning. Whereas you look at the Lakers who have a 2027, you know, first round pick and future assets that they are not willing to spend. And they are a big market team.